um, another Sunday, um, and which the Lord has made. I'm so grateful that we are able to congregate once again. I thank God for his marvelous works in our lives, individually and collectively as church. I want to appreciate each and every one of you this morning for being here. Thank God for your life. Blessed be his name. This morning, I want to speak on a topic that says, when the spirit of God dwells in the heart of man. When the spirit of God dwells in the, in the heart of man. And I will take, take my text from 1 Samuel 11, from 1 to 14. 1 Samuel 11, verses 1 to 14. Hmm. I read. First Samuel 1, 1, 11, 1 to 14. It says, Then Nash, the Ammonites, came up and encamped against Jabez, <coughs> Jabez Gilead. And all the men of Jabez said to Nash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. And Nash and the, the Ammonite answered them, on this condition, I will make a covenant with you that I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, hold up for seven, for seven days that we may send messengers all the territories of Israel. And then if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. So the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voice and wept. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, what troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the word of the men of Jabesh. Then Saul, then the spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and send them throughout all the territories of Israel by the hands of the messengers, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. 
when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah, 30,000. And they said to the messengers who came, thus you shall say to the man of Jabez Jelly, tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Then the messenger came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, tomorrow we will come out to you and you may do with us whatever seemed good to you. So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and kill the Ammonite until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, who is he who said Saul, who said shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day, but today the Lord has accomplished his salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal and there they met Saul before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offering before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm not going to take us, take our time. It's just a few, I have a very few words. And even the passage is also few. Uh, but one thing before we commence, I want to refresh us rather than take our memories back. Few Sundays ago, I preached on the topic that says the choice of man. And the text was taken from 1 Samuel chapter 9. I stated that physical structure or appearance of an object can be so deceptive. And if we make decision or judgment based on this, we are more than likely to get it wrong. And the consequences in most cases are too costly. I also stated that physical appearance can be so distorted and has the propensity to impair our sense of judgment. And once we made our decision based on this, we are bound to regret big time. I equally highlighted the fact that we can easily fall into this natural trap when we over-relied or trust in our human instinct. When we so much trust in ourselves, when we are overconfident 
in our individual abilities rather than the creator himself. Prior to chapter nine, we saw how the Israelites rejected the leadership of the almighty God. And in their thinking, aspiring to be like other nations around them, they demanded for a physical king. Uh, if you can just flick back to chapter eight. Chapter eight, verse four. It says, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, look, you are old and your son do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. This demand was born out of their myopic perception of God himself and his servant, Samuel. In their quest for self-determination, they saw only the frail physical condition of the man, his failures, as well as his inabilities. Here, the Israelites were operating on the physical realm, trusting in their judgment rather than God. Guys, we need to see beyond the physical realms in order to see the pleasant future that God has in future for us. We need to look beyond the situation we find ourselves. We need to look beyond COVID. We need to see it as a challenge that God knows about that will bring us to a different level. We need to see our situation as a platform that will uplift us and bring us closer to God and to tap on his supernatural abilities. We need to align ourselves with God's program in order to see where he's taking us. We need to connect to his supernatural ability in order to draw the strength to face the day. You need to tap into the divine wisdom in order to find answer to all your questions and solution to all your problems. Lack of divine knowledge of God's, God's purpose in one's life is the greatest weapon of self-destruction. When you have no clue about what God has in stock for your life, you are destroying yourself. When you lack divine knowledge of God's purpose in your life, and it is the greatest weapon of self-destruction. It is the greatest weapon of mass destruction because the word of God is what we need to save the world. Back to chapter nine, we saw how God granted their selfish desire according to their human level. And in chapter 10, anointed Saul, who in every sense of human was fit for a king. 
And here in chapter 11, the narrative opens with the first major test of Saul's leadership to deliver the people of Jabesh Gilead from the hands of Nash, the Ammonite. We go back to uh, verse one. It says, then Nash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nash, make a covenant with us and we will serve you. And Nash said, Nash the Ammonite answered them, on this condition, I will make a covenant with you that I may put out all your right eye and bring reproach on all Israel. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, hold up for seven days that we may send messengers to all the territories of Israel. And then if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. This shows how porous one can be when you are not in line, when you do not align yourself with God's program. When you feel that you have answer to all your problems, when you feel that you have the strength to do all things, I remember when we used to read this book, uh, is it James Halliches or said, or said, said it's when a guy gets full of confidence, he's wide open for a soccer punch. When you take yourself out of God's program, you are wide open for a soccer punch. They decided to take control of their affairs. They decided to take control of their life. They decided to fight their battle. Now, Satan raised somebody that ordinarily wouldn't come near the Israelites to challenge them. And they agreed, just tell us what to do. Just give us condition and we will come and serve you. This is not the spirit that God gave to his people. Boldness is one of the spirit. The spirit of boldness comes into man or a nation when they believe strongly in God. Ordinarily, they would have, have the boldness to tell the man off. But here they were asking for the solution, peaceful resolution. How, what, whatever condition they could give so that they would serve. And because, because the condition he gave 
was so harsh that nobody will abide by that. That's when they remember to seek for help. And even in their help, they did not say, let us consult our God, but to look within their brothers. We are always, in our everyday situation, we are always, we always find ourselves in such situations. When our trust is shifted from God. Now the question to start with, who is this Nash? According to the Bible, he was the commander of the Ammonites, a descendant of Lot, who occupied the fringe of the desert east of the territories of Gad and Manasseh. And his origin can be traced back to time after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. You can go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 19. Genesis 19. Genesis 19, I'll read from 30. Then Lot went out, went out of Zohar and dwelled in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zohar. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on the earth to come into us, as is the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And, in, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, indeed, I laid with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine with that, that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Because both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father, the firstborn son, the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, he also bore a son and called his name Ben Amen. He is the father of the people of Ammon to this day. So you can trace this his origin back to. Um, um, Lot. 
And here he is, the offspring. Here he is now against the children of Israel. Even though, even though he was capable or had the strength, but he knew that it was not, it was a mission that is not gonna succeed. But because of the situation the Israelites found themselves, because of how they, you know, what they made themselves, because they wanted to be like other nations, hence this challenge. Here, it's equally good to know who the Jabesh Gilead are. Because they were it's like because they are the Israelites as well. This was the Israelite city of Jabesh, located at the region of Gilead, Gilead, east of Jordan River, in the vicinity of Wadi Yebis. And the name means dry in Hebrew. Jabesh. And these very tests, or challenge, if you like was designed for the following purposes. Number one, to bridge the political, military, and social divide that exists between Saul's supporters and those that oppose his leadership following his proclamation. If we go to back to chapter 10, Go with me to chapter 10, verse 25. Chapter 25 to 27, it says, Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him, whose hearts God has taught. But some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him to, and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. One of the reason for this challenge is to bridge the political, military, and social divide that exists between Saul's supporters and those that oppose this leadership following his proclamation. Not many people supported Saul. Not many people agree that he was the right choice. But because they wanted to be like other nations, God now appointed God now appointed him to be like to be the leader, to be the king. 
there was opposition. And it is this first test that the, the purpose is one of the purpose is to unite them, to bring the Israelites together. Secondly, that God may put his spirit in King Saul and show compassion and deliver them from the hands of their enemy. The Holy Spirit empowered Saul to deliver the citizens of Jabesh and to wipe away shame from the face of the Israelites. We go to verse five of, chapter, of, of our main text. It says, now there was Saul coming behind the heart from the field. And Saul said, what troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the spirit of God came upon Saul when he had this news and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territories of Israel by the hands of the messenger, saying, whoever does not come out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. He mentioned if whoever does not come out with Saul and Samuel, and prior to this statement and action, the spirit of God was in him. He was not acting out of ordinary. It was the spirit of God directing him, directing his action, directing his utterances. So even though we can look at it, yeah, God gave them what they want, but God did not turn his back on them. He did not turn his back on them. The same thing with us today. We might be drinking from the, uh, uh, from the seeds of rebellion. God has not turned his back on us. He's there to forgive us. If only we can allow him to come and dwell in us. It is also of note that although Saul had been appointed king, he did not assume governmental authority at once. He continued farming until he could answer Israel's expectation of him as king by delivering the Israelites from their enemies. Back to chapter eight. Back to chapter eight, verse 20, according to their request.
verse 20, that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. That is their request. That is what the reason why they want the reason why they want to take care of their affairs, to take back everything. That is the reason for their self-determination. And this is because he was not able, he has not been tested. Many were opposed to him that he was not capable. But at this point, that was the time for their request for him to fulfill, to just to test him as a king and capable of judging the Israelites and fighting their battle. Here was the opportunity. This passage provided the opportunity. And thirdly, that God may put his fear in the hearts of the people. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And without the fear of God, we cannot be sure to do the right thing. Here, if we look at his action in, if we look at his action in verse, We look at his actions in verse 6. It says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard the news, and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territories of Israel by the hands of the messenger, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so shall it be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people and they came out and they came out with one consent. Without the fear of God, it would have been very, very difficult to unite these people at that point. So put the fear of God in them that they may respond to the calling. As believers, we also need the fear of God to respond, to respond and to do that which he asks us to do. The fear of God. So when the spirit of God enters the heart of man, he begins to operate with supernatural capabilities. The evidence of this is, can be found in Acts chapter two. If we can, if you can quickly go to Acts chapter two. The Acts of Apostles chapter two. It is the account of the Pentecost. It says, when the day of the Pentecost has fully come, come 
they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they appeared on them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. One of, when God, when the Spirit of God dwells in us, it opens us, or rather, uh, gave us that supernatural power to do those things that ordinarily we cannot do. They spoke in different languages at this point because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was upon them. And if we go further, and they dwell in Jerusalem at that time, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone had them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galilean? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Perhaps of Persians and Medes and Elamites, those dwell in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the part of Libya, adjoining Cyrus. Visitors from Rome, both Jews, proselytes, Britons, and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful work of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? This group of people, this Devout, this um, um, the children of God, the believers in Christ, the apostles, when they had this, when the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were able to speak all the language of this earth, all the languages. It can only be God, it can only be the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit that enabled them to do this mighty thing. Peter, but Peter standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwells in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
and it shall come to pass in the last days, says, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams not, and on my med servants and on my med my, my men servants and on my med servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heavens above and signals and signs in the earth beneath. Bloods and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome days of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is boldness. Peter at that point, speak, he, he, he arose and speak up. He went further on verse 22. Men of Israel hear this word. Jesus of Nazareth, a man arrested by, attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through him in your meat, as you yourself also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hand, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pain, the pain of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may be shaken, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoices and my tongue was glad. Moreover, by flesh, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in hate, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, you will make me full of joy in your presence. Peter was able to speak to the people. He was able, because prior to this, they were, they confined themselves in one place. They were intimidated. They were timid. They were afraid. They lacked the courage to speak. They lacked the courage to you know, to share the gospel. But at this point, when the Holy Spirit descended upon them, when the Spirit of God was upon them, they were able to do all these things. They were not mindful of the authority. They were not afraid of the opposition. They were no longer afraid of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were able to preach the gospel. They were empowered by the presence of God in their life. That is what we need today. That is what we need today in our lives as individuals, as believers in Christ Jesus, in the church as the body of Christ, so that we can affect the community, so that we can affect 
the larger community, our nation. That is all we want. The presence of God in our life. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. So when God fills you with his spirit, he widens your school of, scope of knowledge. He gives you boldness to preach the gospel. He takes away the spirit of fear and intimidation from you. He patterns your way and directs your affairs to his own glory. He equips you with his divine strategy and exalts you before your adversary. Back to our, our main text today. I'll round up now. First Samuel 11. So and he said in verse 8, when the number when he, numbered, when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000. And the men of Judah, 30,000. He said 300,000 men of Israelites and 30,000 men of Judah. So maybe the distinction made between Israel and Judah in the numbering of their warriors may indicate that the book, this book was either written or edited after the division of the monarchy. That's the only reason why we have the Israelites here and the Judah. And it continues. And they said to the messengers who came, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabez Gilead, Tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you shall have hell. God is now speaking. Having um, having a, a, you know, take control of stuff. Now he gave hope to the children of Jabez. <clears throat> so tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you shall have hell. Then the messenger came and reported it to the men of Jabez and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabez said, Tomorrow we will come out to you and you may do with us whatever seems good to you. And this is wisdom. They did not tell the they did not tell Nash that yes, we have gotten help. But they said, we are coming out tomorrow. Whatever you whatever you want, you can do with us. 
And that boldness, the confidence of this guy, the Ammonites, that they, they came out to conquer or rather to do whatever. And if we, we may assume that they were not highly prepared, knowing that these guys, they have no help and they are going to succumb and submit to whatever demand. But unfortunately, it said verse 11, so it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and killed the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. The Bible said that we, that the enemies, they shall come in one way, but flee in different directions. When God is fighting your battle, when God is in command, every opposition that is united against you will fall in pieces. Every war against you, they shall come in one way, but they will flee in different directions. That is exactly what happened here. They, come, they came to, to them united as enemies, but each of them, not, no two, the Bible said, no two of them were left together. Everybody to his heel. Everybody in different directions. Then the people said to Samuel, who is he who said, thou Saul reign over us. Bring the men that we may put them to death. They conquered, the, there was even the, the, the opposition there was, no, there was no more opposition. They united to fought this battle. Even though some of them were came back, let us still continue with our divisions. But in God's presence, when God is in control, there is no room for division. There is no room for division. But Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to his people, to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they met Saul, king, before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offering before the Lord. And they saw, and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Amen. Today, we shall rejoice. Today, is salvation, even in our land, is the day of salvation even in our community, in every aspect of our life, we shall rejoice because the Spirit of God 
is dwelling in us. Father, Lord, I thank you for how you've led us. I thank you for your words that have gone forth. May it be like a seed planted beside the stream of water, that it may best germinate and bear fruit. Blessed be your name. Thank you for your wondrous work in our lives. Thank you for your healing hand upon our lives. Thank you for the hope that we have in thee. Thank you for the joy of your salvation in our life. Lord, blessed be your name. Thank you. Continue to lead us. Continue to pattern our steps. Lift us, O Lord, that the enemy will not have upper hand over us. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. Amen. Amen.